how will I, how will I respond when my faith is tested? How will I respond when my faith is tested? How will I respond when my faith is tested? When I say tested, I'm not talking about a grumpy teacher who is about to give you a pop quiz for the day, give you a test to see what you're made of, you know? Where's your breaking point, you know? That's not what I'm talking about when I say your faith is tested. I'm not saying it's a pop quiz to see how much knowledge you got or, or how good you are. That's not what I'm saying. When I say tested, I'm talking about the idea that we see in scripture of refined, to be under heavy pressure, to be under, when the heat is turned up, that's when I'm talking about testing. I'm talking about a refining process. I'm not there to see what you can do. I'm there to see what's really at the heart. That's what I'm trying to get to. I wanna get all that extra junk off and just get what's genuine and authentic in there. That's what it means to be tested. Can I show you all a quick video that talks about the process of refining that happens with gold? Is that okay? Because I'm gonna take it for granted. Most of y'all don't know what refining of gold looks like in that process. This is about two minutes long, but it gives you a quick snapshot of what it looks like for gold to be tested and refined to get all the extra junk out of it and be left with just a pure 99.99% gold bar. So let me show you this. Now the process of refining fine metal starts when gold, silver, platinum, and palladium are delivered to the refinery in several impure forms, some still connected to false teeth and other creepy stuff like that. The lots of precious metals are weighed and tabulated, then the lots are combined with flux, which looks a lot like you're actually making matters worse by pouring a bunch of dirty sand in with the metal, but it's actually a very important ingredient. This flux in the impure metal is placed in a vessel called a crucible. This is made from material that can take the heat better than the material inside it. So the crucible is then put into a melting furnace that transforms the metal and flux into a molten material, usually within 30 to 45 minutes. The crucible is then removed and the molten material is poured into a mold, sometimes shaped like a brick or other times like an inverted cone. Especially when they use a lot of flux in the cone-shaped mold, the flux fuses with the undesired matter to form a slag that is lighter than the precious metals. The slag naturally floats to the top of the mold, leaving a pure button of metal below. You can then easily separate the metal button from the slag. Once the whole lot has been melted and sampled, it's then remelted and recooled into grains about the size of BBs in order to speed up the extraction process. The grains are then placed into a mantle where an acid solution is used to dissolve the metals into a liquid form. Once the metals are fully dissolved, chemists use other substances to induce reactions that extract the exact metal they're looking for. The results are that you end up with an absolutely pure piece of gold, silver, platinum, or palladium. So what you see in the middle of that is that they take a metal that's got all kind of junk and it's got all kind of materials, all kind of stuff in the middle of it. And what they do is they put it in their heavy heat the crucible is what they would call it. They put it in heavy heat and that metal is melted down with all the other stuff. And the junk in the middle of the metal is burned up and destroyed. But what's left is that 
the authentic, genuine, true gold at the end. And in the end, you've got a product that was far better than what you had before. The value was there the whole time, but it's brought to light and brought to the surface when you move all that extra stuff away. Does that make sense? So when God is testing our faith, he's not saying, let me see what you're made of. He's saying, no, 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 let me get all that extra stuff out and look at your value that I've seen from the very beginning under pressure, all that stuff swiped away and what is good and true and genuine authentic will be proven in the middle of it. So let me read a verse for you that captures this. I've mentioned a verse that I memorized when I was in the mission field. Here's another verse that I memorized when I was in the mission field. It's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. It says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Hold up there for a moment. He says, You rejoice, though now for a little while, you, you know, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So there's trials going on in the life of these believers. And Peter is writing and saying, Listen, you take joy in these trials for now, but he's going to keep going. What he says next right here. Verse seven, so that the tested genuineness of your faith. So we rejoice in the trial for now, although it might be necessary because so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, your faith, which is more precious than gold, which perishes though it is tested by fire, your faith may be proven more genuine than that. So he's comparing it to the, the idea that gold is being refined. He says in the same way, your, your faith is being refined and tested. And so here's what I want to ask you as a believer. How should you respond in the midst of your faith being tested? The first thing is this. You should, re, you should respond with genuine faith. With genuine faith. I think about the story where the, the guy went out and he scattered a bunch of seed, remember? And one of the seeds landed on, you know, the road and one of them landed in the thorns and all these things. But one of them landed on the road and it says immediately it shot up. It was bearing all kind of fruit, looked all these kind of things, looked fancy. It was a, you would have thought that seed's doing pretty good, you know? You might have put a little more water on it. He was feeling good about it. It says, but then all of a sudden the sun came out in the scorching heat zapped that seed. And because of it, it withered away. It was gone. And what we see is there's someone who might have said, yeah, I've got faith. Yeah, that Jesus thing's with me. I'm cool with that. Sign me up. And then all of a sudden the trials came and they're like, dude, I'm tapping out. This is not for me. Some of y'all have got friends that walk in that same lifestyle. Man, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. And all of a sudden they start dealing with a trial or a trouble in life. And they're like, man, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. I'm gonna turn to X, Y, and Z to solve my problems. See, Peter's encouraging his people. He's saying, listen, when you're going through the trial, it's supposed to prove the genuineness, the authenticity of your faith. So students, here's the question. The trials that go on in your life, how do you respond? I've talked to people that have come in here and they've said, dude, I've lost a family member, a real family member. And I asked them to them face to face, how are you going to respond in the midst of the trial? Because I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. 
They're going through beef with their friends at school. Man, they got stuff that's going on at school. It's just a challenge. And I have to look at them and say, how are you going to respond in the trial? And because what Peter's saying to the church is saying, I know that the church is being persecuted for their faith every single day. You know people that are dying because they are Christians. He says, how are you going to respond in the middle of it? He says, you ought to respond with a genuine faith. Number two, he says, you ought to respond with a joyful faith. A joyful faith. And now this is a stretch because I can tell you just have faith in the middle of the trial, but how do I tell you to smile and have joy in the middle of the trial? No one's looking at a trial and saying, oh boy, good, let me sign up. Where do I get in line for that one, right? No one's signing up for trials unless it's a free trial for Disney+. Plus. That's the only trial we sign up for, right? Here's the deal, man. I'm just telling y'all, trials are not supposed to be fun and happy and all these things. So how can Peter tell the church to have joy? Is it because he's just so disconnected from the world that he can't really relate with them? No, no, no. Peter's gone through it. He's been through trials. He's been through the hard moments. He's lost his friends because they were, because they were persecuted for their faith. How does he say rejoice? I think it's twofold. I think it's because the trial is temporary. In this passage, he says, for now, although it might be necessary for now, you might be enduring these, these uh, grieving various trials. He's saying for now, it is temporary. The trial is only for a moment. And then number two, he says the trial is necessary. You're like, whoa, man, the trial is necessary? Yes, the trial is necessary. If Peter would have never have made the decision to walk out in faith out in the middle of the storm that he was going through, he would have never have had his faith be grown and purified by that moment. If Peter wouldn't have went through the all night of not catching any fish all night long, leading him to a spot where he would encounter Jesus in his own boat right there with him, he would have never experienced the Lord had for him. If Peter wouldn't have went through seeing his own savior being beaten, mocked, spit on, crucified on a cross and killed, that trial in his life, if he would not have endured that trial, he would have never experienced the resurrection and joy that would come from on the other side. And so right now, I know you got trials in your life, things you're dealing with, and I'm here to tell you, it is necessary for your faith to be sharpened and, and meant to be refined for what God has called you to be. He sees the value in every one of you. He sees, look at me right here. He sees the value in every one of you. And the trial that you're gonna go through either right now or the one coming up is gonna be used to refine and to sharpen and find the genuineness in your faith because God sees the value in you and he's getting rid of all that extra junk in the middle of it through the trial. The trial is for your good. And because of that, I rejoice. And it also is temporary. Your trials may be just for a season, may just be for seventh grade, the worst year of my life in middle school, maybe. You might also be in a trial that lasts for honestly for the rest of your life here on earth. 
You might be enduring a trial that would last for the rest of your life on earth. When you lose a family member in your life, that is a trial that doesn't just go away the next week. That is something that is a burden you carry for the rest of your life. But here's what I know to be true is that my grandfather who passed away in June last year, it's a trial for me missing my grandfather. But the joy is that one day that time frame is gonna end and I'm gonna go into eternity and see my granddad, Leroy O'Hara, and give him a big old hug because that's the joy that awaits me. The trial's temporary. And Peter, if you read through this whole first chapter of 1 Peter, can I just level with you? I dare you to read through it tonight before you go to bed. You're gonna see eternity and perishable things that are come. He is just talking about what is coming in the days ahead over and over again. He's telling the people, I know it's hard today, but let me give you joy today. Don't let today's grievances ruin tomorrow's tomorrow's joys. That's what he's telling them. Don't let today's troubles and tribulations and trials to ruin the treasures that are to come tomorrow. That's why you take joy. I've been trying to go, y'all gonna, I say trying. I go sometimes, okay? To a class called Power 40 at the YMCA. And when I go, they always got me doing these funky workouts all the time. And I'm doing things where I got this medicine ball and I'm bending down and then I have to pick a foot up and all these kind of things. And then I'm like on the ground and they're like, move your leg up, but get your shoulders up. And I'm like, come on, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And then we got this new guy that shows up and he really ramps it up. It's a bear. But for 40 minutes, I get in there at five o'clock and at 5.41, I'm walking out the building and I'm drenched in sweat. My arms feel like jello. I hate life, okay? For 40 minutes, life is the pits. I'm back in seventh grade all over again. It's the worst year of my life for 40 minutes, okay? The whole time I'm mad, I'm angry. Philip Bennett's in there, your dad's in there. Dan Zapata, your dad, where's, where's Zapata at? Somewhere in here. Yeah, back in the back. Dan Zapata's in there with me. Sometimes Grace Wade will pop in with us. There's a bunch of folks. Ben Taylor and all those guys, they're having the time of their life. I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm like, I'm going to get a water break. You know, I'm, I'll be back in a minute. 10 minutes and my 40's gone like that, you know? You know why I take joy in the power of 40? It's because the pain in the middle of that workout is 40 minutes long and I'm done but also the reward of working out will never come if I never go to Power 40. I'm not gonna wake up one day and look like Parker over here, all right? Just, or Zeke, man, my gosh, Zeke, just a monster. I'm not gonna wake up looking like Zeke tomorrow, just be like, yeah, I just, this is what the sun provided today, you know? No, Power 40 is the requirement to get that. If you, want your, if you want to take the value that God sees in you and to pull it out at all it can be, it's going to take the trials of life to get there. The refining is what's going to shape and sharpen you to be the valuable young man and young woman that God has called you to be. Does that make sense? Y'all, does that make sense? For real, shake your head if you're with me. You don't rejoice in the trial because the trial is just happy-go-lucky. I rejoice in the trial because the reward that comes in it and the temporary time zone that I'm walking through it. The last thing I got for you is real simple. How should I respond in the midst of my faith being tested? I ought to respond with a genuine faith, a true authentic faith. Staying firmly planted, staying true to the Lord, trusting him in the middle of it. 
not wavering to the left or the right, but realizing that in the middle of my genuine walk with the Lord, faithfulness to the Lord, he's gonna remove all that extra stuff out of it. He's gonna pull the junk out of my life and make it a pure, genuine faith. But then also I take joy in my in my trial. I have a, a faith that is full of joy in the middle of it because I know that the trial I'm walking through is temporary and it is necessary for my development. But the last thing is this. I'll respond in the midst of the trial with a fruitful faith. What do I mean by that? The last part of this verse, I'll pull it up in verse seven. The last part of this says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result, meaning there's an end result. There's a, there's a fruit from my labor in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ is talking about when Jesus comes back, the second coming. One day Jesus is gonna come back. One day the skies are gonna open up, the heavens are gonna, man, have horns and music and everything blaring and you're gonna see, man, Jesus alone, clothed in white and he's gonna be coming to take back his church. And for those of you who will walk with the Lord with a genuine faith, with a joyful faith, and with a fruitful faith, this is what it's going to result in. It's going to result in praise and glory and honor. Not for Corey, not for you, not for anyone else in this room. It's going to result in the praise, honor, and glory of Jesus Christ. I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Acts 20, 24. It's not about me. It's not about my praise. It's not about my glory. It's not about my honor. The fruit of me staying tight and close with the Lord in the middle of a trial is gonna produce God getting the glory. Because the only way that I'm gonna be able to stand firm in the midst of a trial is if Jesus comes and helps me out. There's nothing good in me. There's nothing rich in me that makes me strong enough or powerful enough to walk through a trial well. It is only by the grace of God will I be able to overcome the trials of my life. But praise God, the one who has all authority in heaven and earth is the one who goes with me through life. And he has given us an encouragement tonight in saying, hey, the trials in life are not there to put you down, to put you under the thumb, to handicap you in life. No, no, no. The trials in life are there and they're gonna be there. They're gonna come. But you can take joy in them because of what God is gonna do with them here on this earth and how he is gonna get the glory in it every single time. That's the goal, guys. You will get to give you as a, think about this. You stand before the throne of God. All of creation is standing there seeing you. And they say, he says, well done, good and faithful son. Well done, good and faithful daughter. For you were faithful. You were faithful. You were faithful. That's what I want this story to be for every one of you in this room. May your life point towards the glory, the praise, and the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ.